0: When you examine the record-breaking season of the 2018 Houston Astros pitching staff, what stands out are the incredible individual weapons. Garrett Cole's 100-mile-an-hour fastball. Justin Verlander's disappearing slider. Lance McCuller's knee-buckling curveball. Features like those make it easy to see how the Strohs set the all-time record for strikeouts in a season. But the best weapon on the staff might just belong to a 34th-round draft pick named Josh James. And it's something that even you and I could hope to acquire. A good night's sleep.
1: Four years ago, James was a minnow in the vast ocean of minor league baseball with one unique characteristic. He was an exceptional snorer. He sawed wood so loudly that his roommate in single A complained. And eventually, James sought out medical treatment. James, who had been suffering from fatigue and diminished velocity, learned the root of his problems was sleep apnea, a condition that affects breathing and stops the afflicted from sleeping soundly. Finally getting the help he needed and thus free from the laziness and lethargy caused by his condition, James started hitting 92 on the gun again, then 95, then 100. His newfound arm strength helped him shoot through the minors and all the way to the show, where his 29 strikeouts and 23 innings earned him a spot on the postseason roster. For Josh James, all it took to get his career back on track was a healthy mix of fastball, changeup, and 8 hours of shut-eye. I'm Ben Shields.
0: I'm Paul Michaelman, and you are listening to Counterpoints, the sports analytics podcast from MIT Sloan Management Review. In this episode, you can keep your pliability training and your kale hemp smoothies. We'll just grab 40 winks. The proof that sleep matters a lot.
2: Counterpoints is brought to you by Ticketmaster, the world's leading ticketing software and services company. Ticketmaster is trusted by thousands of artists, teams, and venues across 29 countries, connecting more than 1 billion fans and powering half a billion tickets each year. That's 15 tickets per second to live events around the globe. So whether you're grabbing seats to a must-win game, catching the hottest show in town, or giving someone you love an experience they'll remember forever, head over to Ticketmaster for 100% safe, verified tickets to your next unforgettable event. Because live only happens once.
1: In CounterPoints, we look beyond the data in search of what the data reveals or supposedly reveals about what's actually happening both on the field and off.
0: In each episode, we put one analytics-based hypothesis to the test and see how well it stands up.
1: Today's hypothesis? Sleep is the greatest legal advantage in sports. The idea that
0: sleep matters is not exactly controversial. Science has proven that proper rest has benefits to both our mental and physical well-being, and in both the short-term and the long-term. But some of the particulars have remained open to debate. Does everyone benefit equally from the same amount of sleep? And how exactly does one measure its specific impact on performance, athletic or otherwise? After all... If you're going to convince a young athlete to give up party time or practice time to grab some extra Z's, you'd better have some serious data to make
1: your case. Which brings us to Kristen Holmes, vice president of performance optimization at WHOOP and former head coach of the Princeton field hockey team, where her team won the national championship in 2012. Now, if you're not familiar with WHOOP, it is a wearable device and a platform that tracks performance and recovery for individual athletes and teams. Sleep is a major factor for WHOOP and a focus of Kristen's in particular. Kristen, it's great to have you on the show.
2: Thanks. It's great to to be here, Ben.
1: You know, you're coming on to argue, I think, a really interesting thesis, which is sleep is the greatest legal advantage in sports. So based on the work that you're doing at WHOOP, what, what data do you have to support this thesis? And I guess as a secondary question, how are you even measuring sleep at WHOOP in the first place? So can you got to give us a sense of both the, the measurement as well as the data aspect to, to defend this thesis?
2: For sure. So, you know, before maybe I head into the WHOOP, I'm just kind of give you some of the, the research that exists, you know, beyond kind of what we've done at WHOOP. Um, you know, if, if you're getting less than six hours of sleep, your time to physical exhaustion is gonna drop by up to 30%, right? So I think that in itself is a really important you know, data point as we think about sleep and the correlation to kind of um, physical performance. You know, The ability of your lungs to expire CO2 and, and inhale oxygen decreases. Um, the uh, lower your peak muscular strength, lower vertical jump height, lower your peak running speed, the less you sleep, your stability muscles fail earlier when you're not getting enough sleep. Um, you know, one study showed, gosh, I think it's like a sixty percent increase in probability of injury comparing people who get uh nine hours of sleep uh a night to those who get six. So, you know, there's just a, a linear relationship between, you know, injuries and and sleep. At Whoop, how we how we kind of think about it is, you know, it's it's really, you know, how much time you're spending in bed, right, um, does not always equate to, you know, how much sleep you're actually getting. And I think that's one of the the biggest thing when athletes come on the platform is like, gosh, you know, I spent seven and a half hours in bed, but, you know, Whoop is only telling me I got five and a half hours. And, you know, duration is important, but, you know, quality is also really important. And that's a big piece of, of the education is to kind of help athletes understand, you know, how do I optimize the time that I am actually spending in bed?
1: So when you think about some of the athletes that you have worked with at Whoop, what are you seeing in the data where when an athlete gets more sleep their performance improves do you have any specific examples of when this increase in sleep has led to better performance based on your work at whoop
2: yeah so and I should I should mention that when athletes first come on the platform and I just did a, you know a quick kind of um, look at, at our hockey baseball football and basketball athletes um, and and you know, I just kind of looked at uh, the male population, their first three weeks on the platform, um, they were averaging less than six and a half hours um, in terms of time in bed. And, you know, that age group needs to be spending somewhere between, you know, nine to 10 hours in bed if they're really interested in, in kind of regenerating in an optimal way, both physically and mentally. So I think just understanding that, you know, when athletes first come on the platform, they're, they're not spending enough time in bed to really leverage their genetic potential and, and the kind of the skills and expertise that um, they have. They might be so talented that they're still, you know, able to operate at a, you know, at a high level just because they've, they've got talent. But in terms of optimizing their potential, they are missing the mark. And we absolutely see this in the data. You know, once athletes, you know, start to spend more time in bed, dedicating more time to sleep, um, we do see a very strong correlation between their recovery which is a summary statistic that encompasses a, uh, you know, a few different metrics. And it's, and we've seen this to be predictive of an athlete's, um, you know, performance. So this includes kind of resting heart rate, heart rate variability, and then measures of sleep, sleep quality and duration sufficiency. So, you know, when you think about your potential for performance, your potential to kind of adapt in an in a, in a optimal way to your environment, mentally and physically, um, this recovery kind of score that we have at WHOOP is, is predictive. Um, and we've been able to kind of play that out across, you know, uh, many different sports.
1: Let's get into that because one of the questions yeah. I do have is whether these benefits of sleep are applicable to all sports. So maybe let's talk about some of those specific examples that you have to kind of round out your discussion of the thesis here.
2: Yeah, so we did a um, one of the largest physiological studies ever performed in sport with um, with, a, with with Major League Baseball. Um, I think we had 230 athletes in that study, and what we're able to show is that um, all pitchers showed a positive correlation between our whoop recovery, um, which again is the sleep performance, um, heart rate variability, resting heart rate, and kind of an algorithm that you know pulls all three of those those metrics together, um, and pitch velocity. So, the higher recovery, the higher adjusted fastball velocity. So, very simply, the higher the recovery, okay, the faster the athletes are able to, um, the pitchers are able to throw the ball. Um, and in all hitters, we showed a positive correlation between recovery and exit velocity. Um, so, I guess the, the time off uh, ball off the bat, essentially. So, that was, I think, a pretty Eye-opening. Um, so, you know, to the extent that you can kind of prioritize recovery and and sleep um, in the days leading up to a game, and really get yourself positioned, you know, with a high recovery, uh, you're simply going to be a more effective, more efficient, um, better, capable athlete.
1: A fascinating look at baseball. How about some of the work that you've done in hockey as well?
2: Yeah. So we've just recently um, have some really cool data sets um, with ice hockey, kind of looking at both internal and external load and and player efficiency. And one of the things that we're able to see is when, you know, an athlete, um, you know, they're, they're basically the overall just more efficient when they're more recovered. And um, we're able to show when they're kind of above their average line for recovery, they had uh, 5.04 shots. When they were below 4.26 passes when they were above their average line, uh, 47.74 when they were below 38.43 puck touches 71 when they were above their average line 60 when they were below. So they had 11 more puck touches on average when they were higher, more higher, highly recovered. Um, and goals for 0.41, um, and then below they were 0.26. So um, this is a, just, I think, a really great example showing that, you know, the more recovered the athlete is, the more efficient they're going to be on the ice, and this is going to result in, I think, some pretty meaningful um, kind of statistical improvements.
1: Kristen, those are some impressive stats. I know, right. They are. And I do, <laughs> yeah, though, want to get into some of the, the counter arguments here because sure. I, I'm hearing a lot about sleep being the – most important performance driver but there are other performance drivers so you think about a uh, athlete's healthy nutrition or their yeah. disciplined training regimen or maybe maybe even their positive attitude how do how do we know that sleep is the most important variable of all i mean isn't it just that the people that get more sleep are are people that focus on their performance overall and are more likely to improve if they do get sleep because they have so many other great habits. Kind of get a, give us a sense of the relative importance of sleep compared to other performance drivers.
2: Sure. So I think you're right. You know, there are obviously a lot of factors that influence um, one's ability to kind of perform consistently over time. Um, I think for some of the reasons I, I kind of stated previously, that I think sleep. You know, at a foundational level, like you can't optimize your training and you can't. Um, It's very difficult to make good decisions around nutrition when you're not getting enough sleep. There are things that are happening biologically um, uh, when you are getting insufficient sleep. You know, you're just not as efficient in terms of how you metabolize food. For example, you're going to, you know, your, your hormones, uh, ghrelin and and liptin, you know, you're going to be, you know, you're going to be hungrier the less sleep that you get. So you know, from a nutritional standpoint, for example, you're going to be making uh, not as great decisions um, the less sleep you get. Um, you can't adapt your. It's very difficult to adapt your training in a in a proactive way and you know kind of get into those zones where you're kind of functionally overreaching when you're you have insufficient sleep. So I think at a foundational level, you know, sleep is is really um, is absolutely critical if you want to effectively leverage you know kind of your genetic potential. Um, and you know the skills and expertise that you have in your sport, and and I think when you know I speak to kind of the, the best athletes in the in the world, you know they're like I'm already good. You know how is sleep really going to help me? And it's and that's where we see some really um, you know transformative moments in in careers when when guys do start to spend more time in bed, you know, they start scoring more points and, and they um, have more assists and they generally feel better. They're in a better, better mood, you know, um, so their ability to kind of access their um, leadership and resiliency and, and that mindset that you, that, you know, that, that is really critical for elite level performance. Um, you know, when you're operating on short sleep, you're just not going to be able to access those things in, in, in a way that you would if you're meeting your, your sleep need consistently. You, know, you can only talk yourself into a better future until you know, biology is going to take over, and that's just that's where, where all the science uh, points to.
1: Right. It kind of sounds like sleep is uh, the, the rising tide lifts all boats in a lot of ways as it relates to athlete performance
2: it it really does um and in a lot of you know i was trying to give you some kind of hard data but you know just the the anecdotes too you know um i was talking to a swim coach the other day and you know he said just that my athletes are just happier you know they're just they come to the the pool deck and they're just in a better mood you know and they're spending you know about 51 more minutes in bed on average um a night and you know these are you know these are these are meaningful changes and um you know and i think it's really irresponsible, I think, for, for folks not to create an environment where they're enabling their athletes to really be in tune with their biological preferences as it relates to, to, to sleep. And, um, you know, I, I think just to digress for a second, you know, just being at a, you know academic institution where, you know, performance is, is um, really and, you know, important and, and people care about it. Um, you know, there really isn't enough, done to create policies and, and, and really educate students and student athletes, you know, around, I think what's, what's one of, again, you know, one of those important behavioral experiences we have. And, um, we do a lot of other education, but, um, you know, I think sleep education is really lacking, certainly at the professional level, but, um, you know, definitely at the NC2A level as well. And there's just so much more that we can do to kind of, I think, bring this, this advantage, um, that we all have access to, you know, to the forefront.
1: I think that's totally fair, Kristen. And I do, though, want to push a little bit more on the counterpoints here. And this idea of talent and experience, right? I can just hear someone that is new to sleep studies and been around the games for a long time and saying, well, at the end of the day, the player with the most talent or the most experience is going to win. I mean, that's the player that's going to rise to the top. So, you know, just playing out a hypothetical, you could imagine... A one-on-one game between Steph Curry and Trey Young—they're both similar type players, but Steph clearly, at least at this point in his career, has the superior talent, and he's also got more, got more experience. So, isn't Steph sure. even on just like four hours of sleep going to beat Trey Young, who's well rested from the night before? I mean, doesn't talent and and experience always win out here?
2: Um, I will say if you if you look at it you know, I think you are going to, you know, Steph Curry on four hours of, of sleep. Could, it, yes, absolutely. You know, if he's just better, more talented, he could certainly still be try young, but will Steph Curry over time adapt to a lower level performance? Will he be more vulnerable to injury? A- absolutely. Right. So, you know, I think it again, is it, are you after optimizing potential or are you just into kind of getting away with, you know, the talent that already exists? And I think that's where the opportunity exists is that you have by meeting your sleep need and really figuring out how to optimize biological sleep, you have this incredible opportunity to maximize your individual potential. It doesn't mean that you're not going to still win, right? If you're not optimizing your sleep, because you might just be that talented, but in terms of setting your own bar for what you can do as an individual, you know, you one hundred percent are missing out if you're not trying to figure out how you can optimally regenerate physically and mentally um, you know, on a on a consistent basis night after night.
1: All right. That's good. Let's let's talk about caffeine, a uh, historic performance optimizer. Yeah. And can't can't caffeine mass sleep deprivation in athletes the same way that it does for the typical nine AM to five PM worker? I mean, isn't isn't caffeine an, another potential advantage that can sort of mask some of the the challenges of not getting enough sleep?
2: Uh, for sure. You know, it's it's not a good long-term strategy, but um, for short-term, you know, you're basically just blocking, you know, the receptor in, in the brain that makes you feel sleepy, right? That's what caffeine does. You know, by muting, you know, that kind of sleep pressure, um that you would face when you're when you're sleepy, um, you know, which caffeine does, you know, it's gonna make you feel more alert and, you know enable enable you to perform kind of in that moment. That doesn't mean that some of the other things that could be happening, you know, physically, you know, for example, the stability muscles and you know some other things that are going on. You're not regenerating, right? Like you're you're basically, kind of um, impinging on your abil- your body's ability to kind of regenerate because you're, you know, forcing it into a state where you're not getting the sleep that you need. You know, when you feel sleepy, you should, you should really, you should take a nap, right? But um, if you're consistently kind of blocking um, and, and putting yourself, you know, kind of in a, in a position where you're artificially, you know, muting what should be happening naturally, um, you know, that again, you know, lo- the long-term consequences of that are, are not good. You know, as a short-term strategy, sure. Um, And, you know, caffeine has certainly been shown to kind of enhance performance. And that said, you know, you don't want to layer stimulants on under-recovered body, right? You know, you're not really uh, providing an enhancement at at that point. It's better to use caffeine on a recovered body, um, and you'll really see huge uh, performance improvements.
1: Kristen, you're giving me a lot to think about here in my own life, by the way. (laughs) Uh, I do want to get to some future considerations here on this topic, and... You know, you you've talked a lot about correlations between Mm -hmm. sleep and performance. At what point in the research will we get to more of causal relationships? Is that possible in the work going forward?
2: I think, as it relates to kind of the physical and and um, cognitive consequences of short sleep, I mean, I think you know there there's absolute causal relationship there. So I think you know, foundationally, we can kind of Take, take that and and transfer that over to kind of what's happening um, you know in terms of athletic performance so you know and then I kind of feel confident in, in saying uh, saying that but yeah I mean I, I think you know I, I would uh, never say that you know I, I think we're probably not too far off from from being able to say that but in sport there there are a lot of variables you know there's a lot of factors that influence performance but I feel pretty confident saying that, um, you know, insufficient short sleep is, is going to impair your, your physical and mental performance, you know, on the field, off the field. And, um, and yes, there, there is a, uh, in, in the research has proven this, that there, there is a causal relationship. And, um, you know, I think, uh, you know, folks need to start to prioritize uh, sleep in their environments and, and really help their athletes understand how they can, how they can optimize.
1: Yeah, and to that point about helping athletes understand how they can optimize their sleep, it's interesting. You've clearly made a case that sleep can help athletes. Why aren't more athletes increasing their sleep i know you mentioned the policy point but i wonder if there are the some of the best approaches that best approaches that you've seen to convince athletes to change their behavior and sleep more so we have more yeah. evidence right that sleep can improve a por- uh, performance but how do you actually change an athlete's behavior so that they do get the better quality sleep to help their performance
2: Right. Um, Well, I think, you know, when you're talking about a kind of a team um, environment, you know, it really does start at the top. I think where we've seen the biggest increases um, in, you know, performance improvements and behavior change across the athletes, the head coach really bought in. I think that's kind of important. So from thinking about it from the perspective of putting, you know, nap pods in in the clubhouse or making sure guys aren't having to get up for, a you know, a 5 a.m. lift, um, you know, kind of putting, you know, policies into place in the environment that enable the athletes to meet their sleep need and then layering in education. So not just, you know, posting uh, a flyer, you know, in the locker room about, you know, yeah, sleep is important, but actually doing some meaningful education and, 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 you know, doing little bits of education every day. So it's, it's really in the front of, of um, these guys' minds. And I, and I think the other piece obviously is, you know, it's hard to manage, you know, something that you're not measuring consistently. And I think having you know, some, some technology that can tell you, you know, exactly how much sleep you're getting and, and the quality of your sleep. Um, once you have access to that, to that data, you can start to actually make changes. You know, is it, is it my, my environment that's, uh, you know, my, my sleep hygiene that's, that's causing, you know, uh, you know, it's getting in the way of the, of the quality. Is it, is it my daytime behaviors? Am I playing too much Fortnite? Am I, um, you know and is my nutrition off uh, pre-bed um am I not drinking enough water you know what are some of the things that are that people can start to um, look at their daytime behaviors a little bit more closely and, and start to um, understand how how those things might be affecting their their nighttime you know their biological sleep so I think kind of coming at it from the top is, is really important and then once we have some data, we can start to, to dial in uh, on on what the athletes need to focus on to really improve um, their sleep and, and maximize um, the time that they're spending in bed. Um, we do see, you know, once athletes come onto the platform, you know, within four months, they're dedicating about 41 more minutes uh, to bed a night. Now that we've layered in a lot more education at WHOOP with the athletes, I think it's probably more than that. Um, but, and then we also see a lot of behavioral uh, changes, you know, we see a lot, we see 89% less, um, alcohol, uh, consumption, um, in, in the first four months. And a lot of this is you, you see very quickly how alcohol, you know, impacts your sleep. So there's more disturbances. Um, physiologically, you know, your heart rate variability is going to be suppressed. Um, higher HRV is, is, is a sign that you're can adapt mentally and physically. So when athletes see the a lower, uh, HRV off, off their baseline, they, they, are able to, you know, pretty quickly realize that, oh, wow, okay, the more alcohol I drink, you know, the, the less recovered I'm going to be next day. Um, and, and, and mind you, alcohol, it, it doesn't just hang around for a day. Um, we see athletes' recovery um, suppressed relative to their baseline for up to five days. So, you know, many of the professional athletes who are on the platform literally stop drinking altogether because it's just hard to get back to your baseline. It's, it's hard to recover from those big night nights out. So, you know, we see a lot of these behavioral modifications that lead to these really cool physiological improvements in terms of, um, you know, in, in cardiovascular improvements in terms of decrease in resting heart rate, increase in heart rate variability, um, you know, which translates into being able to take on, you know, cardiovascularly being able to take on more load, um, you know, just being more effective athlete. So um, I think the the, the the application that's been developed, you know, at Whoop, um, you know, the mobile app really nudges some of these behavioral changes. Uh, in and in a very subtle, kind of elegant way, that um, that really does help drive performance.
1: All right, I got Paul, my co-host here, and Mary, our producer extraordinaire. What did you think of the interview?
0: Kristen makes a powerful case, and she's building it on the kind of specificity of data that's almost impossible to argue with. Being able to measure changes in bat speed or changes in exit velocity based on proper amounts of sleep is really persuasive. But being the natural cynic that I am, and you're going to see a recurring pattern, listeners, I'm always going to be some combination of yeah and but. So yeah, does sleep matter more than I ever realized? Absolutely. Is it the single most powerful legal competitive advantage in sports? I don't know. Not that I can necessarily think of anything offhand that would beat it. But also a quick aside to my friend Jeff. I enjoyed that tour through your sleep pattern on your Fitbit once. But let's not make a habit of it. And also a note to my daughter Georgia, the college student who doesn't sleep enough. I hope you're listening to this episode. Mary, what's your take?
3: Yeah, I... Um... I I unfortunately have not had the benefit of playing with a Fitbit and figuring out my sleep patterns. I can I can tell you anecdotally that they're probably not the best um, and that as an athlete, I probably could have benefited in my younger years from sleeping a bit more. Um, But I think, you know, while she does have this compelling case of data, I do think it's it's a situation where. That data isn't necessarily telling us something counterintuitive or something that we didn't know, right? Like, we all know that we should be sleeping enough. We see studies that it helps with work. We see studies that it helps with other kinds of things, with with health issues. So why wouldn't it help with athletic performance as well? And so I think, you know, the data is nice, but it's something that that we already knew. It would be uh, definitely something that I would think about if I were a coach or an owner of all these teams to be designating a curfew for all my players. But at the same time, I agree with you that I think I'd love to see more of a comparison of, you know, what are the other top advantages and really how did those compare to
0: sleep? So, Mary, when you mention curfew, it makes me think of the Vegas flu, which is this phenomenon that's been used to describe how the Las Vegas Golden Knights last year in their inaugural season as an NHL expansion team went so deep into the
1: playoffs. Yeah, Paul. So for those of you that don't know, the Vegas flu was a term discussed last NHL hockey season to refer to... Potentially why the Las Vegas Golden Knights had such a tremendous home record. The away teams would come in maybe get lulled into some of the distractions of Las Vegas and not exactly get eight to nine hours of sleep the night before the game. As a result, their performance suffered. I would love in the future to do a longitudinal sleep study about the Vegas flu and actually see if there is a strong enough correlation between lack of sleep in Vegas to the performance of the team on the ice against the Golden Knights. But I do think that Kristen presented a wide range of evidence based on what you said. For me, one of the more interesting future questions about this line of our field is how coaches can actually change players' behavior. To Mary's point, yes, we have more and more information to suggest that this is a rising tides lifts all boats scenario where if you do get more sleep, your performance will improve as a result. But the question is, how can coaches actually change the behavior of players to put into practice some of these ideas? And I'm very excited to see how that evolves. And with that, I've been waiting all episode to say this. I think we need to sign off because I would like to go get some rest. If you're still awake,
0: this has been CounterPoints, the sports analytics podcast from MIT Sloan Management Review.
1: You can find us on iTunes, Google Play, and wherever fine podcasts are streamed. And please take a minute to post a review. We really want to hear your feedback.
0: CounterPoints is produced by Mary Dew. Our theme music was composed by Matt Reed. Our coordinating producer is Mackenzie Wise. Our crack researcher is Jake Menashi.